What if a time of isolation and disconnection brought the church in Seattle together in unity in Christ? What if we use this time to deepen our faith, to pray for each other, and to work together for the good of our cities? What would happen if the church saturated the sound with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Hi, I'm Paul Fredericks, and welcome to Saturate the Sound, a special 12-week series featuring voices from churches and ministries around the Seattle area. Each week, we'll be hearing from Christian leaders on this question. What does trusting Jesus in 2020 look like? Before we get started, Saturate the Sound isn't just the name of this series. It's actually a network of Christian churches and ministries around Seattle who are working to saturate the sound with the gospel. And if you'd like to connect or learn more, please visit saturatethesound.com. Coming up in just a moment, our featured speaker this morning, Carrie Abbott with the Legacy Institute. But first, let's get an opening comment and prayer from Pastor Harvey Drake with Emerald City Bible Church. I am pleased uh, to introduce to you my friend Carrie Abbott. She's the president, founder of the Legacy Institute, doing great work to help families be healthy and whole and to uphold the standards by which God wants us to live by. And I've been on a program a number of times and am just in love with what they're trying to do to encourage teens, fathers, mothers, families as a whole. So if I if I can, let me just pray for her right now. God in heaven, we thank you for our sister uh, who has given her heart, God, to serve you and to love you. God, and then she's given her heart and passion and her skills to serve and love uh, those here in the Northwest and abroad. God, we're grateful for uh, the ministry that she has in terms of building people, helping parents parent their children, helping husbands love their wives and wives love their husbands, God. And her heart's desire is that we would all reflect your will, your passion, your purview. God, those things that are pleasing to you. And so I pray, God, that you continue to strengthen she and her family, that you will continue to cover her, that you will continue to provide for her and continue to protect her in this season. And use her, God, to inspire your people to love you and love each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, my dear brother, Harvey Drake. Such a good man. It's so good to be with you. Honored to be part of the Saturate the Sound, and I'm happy to join you today talk about something really important and I think really positive. How can we unify as the church? What sound can we make? What sound can we saturate our region with? And I believe that God has given us a prescription. You know, in the book of Psalms, which is generally believed to be the most widely read and the most highly treasured of all the books in the Old Testament, I thought we could start there and take a look at why this collection of poems and hymns and prayers why they're so important. And here's why I believe it's important for us right now. Because these Psalms express the religious feelings of God's people, of the Jews throughout various periods in their own national history. In fact, one scholar noted no other book of the Bible can find one, such a variety of religious experience as the Psalms. And here the heart of Israel is laid bare in manifold expressions of faith with deepest emotions in the crucible of daily life. Many of us are feeling that crucible. Life has been very different this year. and We have a lot of feelings and emotions, and sometimes it's difficult to know how to communicate those. Many of the Bible's main ideas are echoed in the Psalms. Praise, thankfulness, faith, hope, 
sorrow for sin, sorrow for pain, God's loyalty and his help. And the writers of the Psalms always express their true feelings, whether they are praising God for his blessings or even complaining in times of trouble. Yes, we actually have permission to complain, but in the context of a bookend of praise. And I want to explain why that's so important. And I thought it might help us to look at some recent studies. And in fact, there's some research out of UCLA that says putting feelings into words actually produces therapeutic effects in the brain. This will help us understand why saying the word and singing the word and reading the word actually changes something in our actual neurology. This study that was conducted found that putting feelings into words makes sadness, anger, and pain less intense. In fact, when we feel angry, we have increased activity in a part of the brain called the amygdala or amygdala. The amygdala is responsible for detecting fear and setting off a series of biological alarms and responses to protect the body from danger. When the angry feeling is labeled, the researchers noted a decreased response in the amygdala and an increased activity in the right ventrolateral prefrontal cortex. You do not have to remember that. This part of the brain, however, is involved with inhibiting behavior and processing emotions. So here's another way to explain it. When you put feelings into words, you're activating the prefrontal region and you see a reduced response in the amygdala. So in the same way, Maybe that when you hit the brake on the car, when you're driving, or when you see a yellow light, when you put your feelings into words, you seem to be hitting the brakes on your emotional responses. So as a result, a person may feel less angry and less sad. And as we learn to identify and label and express emotions, this area of the brain actually gets strengthened. We actually can build some muscle there. So in turn, we're better able to respond to our feelings and less reactive, and maybe even more responsible. So when you take time for your feelings and we actually become less stressed, now we know that it can help us. And guess what? I have good news for you today. God has given us a book of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that actually name the deepest emotion that we can imagine. That's why the Psalms are so important to the body of Christ. Whether you're a new believer or a person just coming into the faith arena and saying, I want to look at this, or you're a believer for a lifetime. The book of Psalms is not Christian light, as some might, might say, because, well, you can read one a day, and that's, that's really nice for those of you who don't really want to go deep. I disagree. I believe it is one of the most profound places that we can go. And not only that, it is a hymn book for those of us who are not gathered in the same church. We are all one church. We are all united in this region. We can grab this hymn book, this Psalter, and we can say and sing and think on these things. And God has placed these here for a purpose, putting words to the feelings we have right now. And I know some of you are really struggling. I know some of you and your relationships are really struggling. I know your families and your marriage are, are having difficulty. I don't want you to feel guilty. I want you to feel empowered today. I want to go back a little bit and give you some history on the psalm because, well, we have the opportunity to learn something today. The Psalms is a collection of poems in fact, it's one of only two Old Testament books to identify itself as a composite work containing a lot of different authors. And the other one is Proverbs, by the way. Some Psalms name their author in the first line or title. For example, Moses wrote Psalm 90. David was responsible for many of the Psalms, composing 73 of them. Asaph, I don't know if you know Asaph, he wrote 12 of them. And the descendants of Korah penned 10 of them. Solomon wrote one or two, and then there's a few others responsible. 
Their book was originally called, titled Tehillim, which means praise songs in Hebrew, and the English title of Psalms originated from the Septuagint's Greek title Psalmoi, which many of you will not remember. Maybe my pronunciation isn't correct, but it actually means songs of praise. And individual psalms were written as far back in history as Moses' time, so this spanned over a thousand years. And these psalms are organized into five books or collections, and they were probably collected gradually as corporate worship forms developed along with temple worship. And it's likely that by the time of Ezra, the books of the Psalter were organized into their final form. And of course, each section concludes with a doxology, and the entire Psalter psalms is capped by psalm 150 which is really like a grand doxology in fact the last few to me seem that way and by the way a doxology is just a short hymn of praises to god in various forms of christian worship often added to the end of psalms and hymns and how beautiful is this that we can look at this the beginning psalm 1 says how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the path of sinners nor sit in the seat of scoffers but his or her delight is in the law of the lord and in his law he meditates day and night he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and in whatever he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And it goes on in Psalm 2, interesting. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? And I just want you to know, not all of the Psalms are happy to start with. In fact, there's a, a lot of discussion about the injustices that happen in the world and the pain and heartache. But the important thing is the Psalms give us this ancient hymnal of God's people. And the poetry was often set to music, but not always. But they express the emotion of the individual poet to God or about God. And different types of Psalms, by the way, were written to communicate different feelings. And again, putting words and especially words with music to our feelings to help us understand, oh, it's just beautiful. It's powerful. One of the ways we can unite as a church right now. The Psalms of Lament express the authors crying out to God in difficult circumstances. And a lament, in case you wondered, is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. Then there are Psalms of Praise, also called hymns. They portray the author's offering of direct admiration to God. There's Thanksgiving Psalms, and they usually reflect, reflect the author's gratitude for a personal deliverance or provision from God. I know you've had some personal provision, and you had some deliverance from pain and heartache, maybe even healing, or just a relationship that was mended. We can thank God for that. There's also Pilgrim Psalms, and they include the, the title of A Song of Ascent, and they were used on pilgrimages, actually going up to Jerusalem for the annual festivals. Other types of psalms are referred to today as wisdom psalms, royal psalms, victory psalms, law psalms, and songs of Zion. Did you know there were so many psalms in there? It's incredible. And there's a psalm that in, in, in I'm sorry, in the psalms they include a unique Hebrew term, the word selah. Have you seen that? It's found 71 times and is most likely a musical notation added by worship leaders after the Israelites incorporated the psalm into public worship. 
How fun to know that. Listen, I want to take you to a particular song because the Psalms have been used many times to actually create music. In fact, a lot of the music that you hear on the station that you love to listen to, the one you're listening to right now, actually has a lot of Christian artists that are singing part of a psalm. And I don't know if you knew that. So I thought I'd introduce you just to one of them. Psalm 27 is a psalm of fearless trust in God. And it starts this way. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. And though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. Really interesting during this pandemic time to be thinking about this. It goes on to say, One thing I have asked of the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Friends, we can do that now. It's not something we do just when we go to heaven. It's something we can do right now. And then Psalm 84, and I'm actually have my Bible in front of me and I'm turning pages quickly as I know we're going to be going to break here in just a moment. I should have marked it better. How lovely are the dwelling places of Lord of hosts. My soul longs and even yearn for the courts of the Lord. And then down a little bit farther, it says in verse 10, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wickedness. Here's a song from Matt Redman that you might be familiar with. How lovely is your dwelling place. For here my heart is satisfied Within your presence I sing beneath the shadow of your wings Better is one day in your courts Better is one day Matt Redman, just giving you an idea of the beauty of the Psalms and how they create music, even for our artists that are contemporary. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk more about the Psalms. And now, back to the second half of Saturate the Sound. Focusing on the question, what does trusting Jesus in 2020 look like? Once again, here's Carrie Abbott. Friends, we're talking about the Psalms today because we're trying to unite together as the church in this region. We want to saturate the sound. One of the best ways to do that is to sing and and speak the words that God has given us in a hymnal that He's provided for everybody in the Bible. It's very exciting. You know, the value of this Psalms 
It's the first really living testimony to Israel's faith in every era of their history, and it reflects the hardships and the struggles of God's people, and it shows the conquest of despair by means of their faith in a living God. Don't we need that now? We sure do. You know what else is really special about this? The Psalms form an important background for Jesus's ministry. You know, he learned them in his Jewish home, at his devotions, at his baptism. His mission was stated in the words of a psalm. On the cross, a psalm came to his mind in his last moments there. The Psalms are quoted more frequently in the New Testament than any other book of the Old Testament. How exciting is that? And why do you think that is? Because saying and speaking, singing, believing, standing firm in what is here is going to unite us in a song that goes beyond your house. It goes beyond your own hearing. I believe it's a universal song that is sung to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and that worship does something for all of us. Not only does it help us understand that God is for us, but it actually helps us understand who God is because the Bible tells us that He inhabits the praises of His people. And when that happens, what that means is that God is on His throne and He's King, but when we worship Him, He administers His kingdom. And that is such a beautiful picture, and that is another way that we unite together. Even if we're not in person together, even if we feel isolated, this will change what is going on in your heart and your mind. I know it because it happens to me when I'm alone. I have despair or I have concerns. God asks me to worship Him, and it helps me to have, well, something to read. Maybe I don't have words. And as I said at the beginning, sometimes we need someone else to help provide the word for us that we're feeling. And once we do, something changes. And not only that, the word of God abides forever. That means it has power. It has authority. And so when we say what it is written there, we go beyond our own understanding. We declare what God has said will be no matter what. And again, we get permission to feel despair and yet have hope because that is where God wants to take us. You know, some other thoughts about the Psalms, and then I'm going to play a really special song for you. There are many special songs, but this one you're going to love. The book of Psalms expresses worship. Psalm 22.3 says, Yet thou art holy, O thou who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. And I just told you about that God inhabits the praises of his people. The king on his throne administers his kingdom. It also tells us in Ephesians, 5, 19 to 20, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Can I tell you that this is a prescription? Anytime you see it say in the Word of God, do this, <laughs> do this and apply this, that is a prescription for your health and for your heart and for your soul. Throughout its pages, Psalms encourages its readers to praise God for who He is and what He has done. The Psalms illuminate the greatness of our God. It affirms His faithfulness to us in times of trouble, and it reminds us of the absolute centrality of His Word. I want you to hear this other song by the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Absolutely beautiful. We don't get to hear all of it, and so I'm going to give encourage you as you listen to this your heart swells. I want you to go find this online and many other songs like it so you can hear the psalms being sung, especially in worship. It's absolutely beautiful. Listen to this.
Amazing. Isn't that incredible? Doesn't that just take you somewhere else? That is the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir's rendition of Psalm 34. A simple example there, which is so profound for us to understand what God has done to give us the Psalms. By the way, this Psalm 34, the Lord, a provider and a deliverer. It's a Psalm of David. And in fact, he was pretending to be mad before Abimelech, just if you want some background there. And he drove him away and he departed. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for to those who fear him there is no want. And the fear of the Lord is not being afraid of him. It's recognizing he is Lord and submitting to him as king. And he takes away that fear that you have right now. The fear that comes from not knowing what's going on in the world necessarily, but he is king and he is Lord. And when we place him in that role, he helps us understand these other things. It goes on to say, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may seek good? And of course, it continues on, but we don't have enough time to read all of that. So how do you apply this in your life today? If you do not have a Bible, please let us know. We would love to give you one. And if you do have a Bible, you go to about the center of it and open it up. And there you're going to see the Psalms and start with number one and maybe even decide, you know, I'd like to read the bookends. I'd like to read that doxology at the end. You could read the last few or you could read Psalm 150. It's quite short. It says this, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with a trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That is a great way to start your day. I encourage you to read one a day. You can follow the days of the month, and then as you continue on, you just have to remind yourself. You will see in those pages, you will see in those Psalms, everything. If you are hurting, use Psalm 13 as a guide, and maybe even write your own lament to God. Write it out. If you're rejoicing, meditate on Psalm 30 and echo the praise found there. Regardless of your circumstance, 
recognize this, dear brother and sister, we are in it together. We are united. We can saturate the sound with the sound and the hymns and the psalms of what God has given us in this hymn book. Amen. Amen. It's been great to be with you. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us today for Saturate the Sound on Spirit 105.3. You can re-listen or share this as a podcast at spirit1053.com. Join us again next Sunday, same time, for more Saturate the Sound, a special 12-week series featuring voices from churches and ministries around the Seattle area. Each week, we're hearing from Christian leaders on this question, what does trusting Jesus in 2020 look like? Also, if you're looking for a church, you need a temporary church home, or maybe you're looking into it for the first time, visit the church directory at spirit1053.com. And if you're a church or ministry leader, we've got a special page for you at spirit1053.com slash ministry. Jesus prayed for our unity in the book of John chapter 17. The purpose of this unity is to reach everyone with the love and gospel of Jesus. To learn more about what churches and ministries around Seattle are doing together, visit saturatethesound.com. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. We just wanted to take a minute to let you know that just like you and your family, Purposely is also part of a family, the Krista Family of Ministries. Krista helps kids and teens learn and grow in their faith at King Schools and Miracle Ranch Camp. And Krista shares Jesus with people in the poorest, most remote places through world concern. Krista Senior Living is a community of love and care. And Krista Media is a place of hope on the radio. God is changing lives through these five ministries. And Krista is on mission to share the good news of Jesus. To learn more, visit Krista.org.